Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. It would be best for the group if Kristen died. We are doing Murder in Small Town X. Yes, and I guess there's kind of a Mandela effect. I always thought it was Murder in a Small Town X, but it's just Murder in Small Town X. Yeah, I don't know where you got that uh. I, I don't know. Because every time you, uh, we watched it on YouTube, and every time you bring it up, you would search murder in a small town X. Yeah, it's just small town and it X. was never that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this ran in the summer of 2001. Yes. This is going to be a very interesting one in that this is something that I watched live. Yes. And Laura had never seen. Correct. So as we go through this, I had all the answers and Laura was experiencing it for the first time. So we made sure to, after every episode, to kind of have a debrief and yes. see where Laura stood on everything. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into it, a few things. Okie dokie. Uh, one, I think we should mention the fact that we're recording this on election night. Yeah, this was our way of trying to not be uh, glued to Twitter and TV and 538. Yeah, so this is why this episode's coming out a little bit late, which also removes the illusion that we created a backlog at some point. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did, we were not able to do that. So uh, we apologize that this episode's coming out a little bit late. I do want to say uh, really quickly before we jump into stuff that uh, our first bonus episode will be coming out in November. Yeah. Uh, it is November. This month. <laughs> and uh, I will... We're going to make this a tradition. Uh, I'm going to solo uh, review the Nightmine Candy Bowl because once again, I'm part of the Nightmine Candy Bowl. Which Yay! is a uh, YouTube short horror film festival of sorts. So uh, you can check out my horror film Mirror on the uh, YouTube channel right now. uh, And that review will be coming to our Patreon supporters very, very soon. So now I believe it is time to talk about murder in a small town, in small town X. But first, time to pour one out. Yeah, we got What the... We got a lot to pour out for all the the lost souls in this one. What is that? Well, first, I'm going to move it towards the microphone and get a little ASMR going because it's loud. I hope you guys can hear that. It's actually gotten a little bit quiet. Uh, What I have is what I'm calling sardines in mustard, (laughs) which is a reference to something that happens in this show. But what I've done is uh, I took some uh, sparkling water and then I added two fingers of liquor 43 to give it kind of a yellowish mustard tint. And then I added some Swedish fish. Yeah, you're just, it's a bunch of things. I went kind of simple. I have the Sunrise Main Mimosa. 
Ah, Sunrise, Maine, which is, of course, the setting for murder in small town X. Mm, mimosa. Mm-hmm. Mine, mine is, uh, it's doing kind of what I wanted in that Liquor 43 is a bit of a thicker liquor. Mm-hmm. So it is creating a mustardy film across the top of it, which is something I was hoping to kind of create with this. <laughs> but uh, it is very sweet. Candy is dandy, but mm-hmm. liquor is thicker. Mm-hmm. What? Ah, it's pretty good. So let's let's start by saying this. Yes. There's many a times where we started a podcast and we go in and we wonder, I wonder this is going to end up being two parts. Spoiler. Yes. This is definitely going to be two parts because there is so much we have to set up with episode one. Yeah, episode one, my notes are like four pages. Because unlike any other uh, reality show I've ever seen, in episode one, they need to introduce no less than 30 characters. Yeah, because you have three initial victims. Yeah, you got three ten victims. Ten detectives, mm-hmm. a host, and 15 suspects. Yeah. So there's a lot going on it's here. It's a lot of folks. So let's start with, I guess, just the premise of this. Uh, in terms of story. Mm-hmm. So... We open on night vision. Yes. And we see a man run from someone and he is murdered. And with then, a bang. Yeah, with a bang. And then we see his teenage daughter murdered. And then we see him advance. The We see the murderer advance on a woman. Yeah, th- we see it from his perspective or their perspective. Yeah, we, we see it from the murderer's perspective. Yeah. Because they're like wearing a night vision camera. Yes. The next morning, it's 11.02, and it's the Founders Day Parade. Two people arrive at the Flint family residence, an older man and a blonde woman, to discover a bloody handprint on the door, and the rug is soaked. Yes. And that's when we find out that it is the home of the Flints, Mm -hmm. Nathan, his wife Carmen, and their 17-year-old daughter, Abby. Yes. And we now get the premise of the show, which is that Gary Frito is bringing 10 regular people to collect the $250,000 reward. And these 10 potential detectives are Stacy, Alan, Angel, Shirley, Kristen, Brian, Lindsay, Andy, Jeff, and Katie. Did it seem like I went fast and told you nothing about them? (laughs) That's how it was introduced to us. Because that's authentic to the show. Yes, and like... I guess let's... Yeah, I think now we have to also bring in the fact that this is a reality show. Yes. And these it's a game show where these 10 people have to solve the murder that took place. Which yes. is a fictional murder. I, this isn't actually like true TV tried to do a reality show or anything like that. Um, now, let's start with just saying these contestants really show that they don't know how to make a reality show yet. Because mm-hmm. the reality show boom starts in 2000. Yeah. Really. And so in 2001, we have like all these people that don't look dissimilar enough. Yes. And all have the most average generic names. Yes. So like immediately you're losing track of who these people are. Like you couldn't pick, you couldn't cast someone that wears glasses or has a beard. Yeah, like... Or, I don't know, is a different race. <laughs> yeah, there's only uh, two people of color. There's Angel. Yes. 
who is Latino mm-hmm. and is a firefighter from the Bronx. Yes. And there is Shirley, who is a black woman. Yes. And, like, we don't know a lot about anybody yet. Like, we haven't even really had a talking head yet. No. And that's something I want to bring up. Uh, I'll bring it up now. Uh, I think they tried to avoid those. Yeah? There's only a few of them. And when they happen, they're, like, vital. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into that a little bit deeper in the way that this show gets constructed. Right. So, uh, Gary Frito. Gary? Gary. Gary Frito brings in these 10 investigators and basically prompts them on the situation they're in. It, he shows them the video of the murders, but with an addition that we didn't see in the cold open. Yes. Of a statement from Carmen. This is something the killer does on multiple occasions. He uses a film of a victim reading a statement to avoid communicating directly. Yes. So Carmen says, Tonight at the Flint house, I've begun my life's work. There will be more to come. Nate and Abby Flint are dead. They belong to me now. But I have no use for Carmen Flint, and I will send her back soon. Let's play a game. These 15 people all live in the town of Sunrise. I am one of the 15. If you want to find out who I am, you will have to play by my rules. I would say good luck. But you will need more than that. And we meet a couple of them now. We get a couple of quick talking heads. Right. We get Kristen. Realize that the killer's out there to scare us to death. And you have to face it. You have to put that aside. Think of something positive and go out there and just say, you know what? I'm not scared. You're not going to scare me. And my note here is she's going to die screaming. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Angel, who's like super chill, and was like, "I'm expecting to step into a murder mystery, and here I am, a regular person out of New York City, being thrown into that same scenario. Take a murder mystery novel, open it, read the first paragraph. Now close your eyes, open your eyes, and you're there." Uh, Katie is planning to die, but plans to go down fighting. Yeah. We're going to be fine. We're going to catch this person, I know. And I, I'm, you know, I'm going down in a fight. I'm going to be going down. <laughs> and uh, Shirley's just confused. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. It should be noted that none of these really tell us anything about these humans. Nope. <laughs> uh, no, we really, we really don't find out much of anything at that yeah. moment from them. So, uh... The, the premise of the game is the killer themselves are providing 15 suspects. Yeah, I am one of these 15 people. Uh, and you will have to narrow down the suspects if they were ever going to catch the killer. Yeah. Would you like me to run through those? Uh, not yet. Let me just. Can we get a similar quick shot of those? Uh, l- let me just give the full premise of this game first. Okay. Uh, at the end of every three days, mm-hmm. a red envelope and a black envelope will be dropped off. Yes. The red envelope has the killer question, and if they're able to get the killer question correctly by inputting it into a computer and going through email, they make email. It a point to really tell you it's email. <laughs> so you know. Tracking that email would be impossible. But they, they email the killer. Yeah, the if, email client is also like, 
matrix green. Yeah, of course. Uh, if they are successful in answering the question, the killer will remove one of the suspects, one of the 15 suspects, from the board. So they'll get one step closer. However, then, two of them must play the killer's game. Yes. In which one person will go to one location, the other person will go to another. They have to go alone. Mm-hmm. And one person will find the killer's clue which is a vital piece of evidence of some kind. And the other person will meet the killer, who will then murder them yes. in Small Town X. So, uh, we get a quick run-through of all of the suspects. Yes, let's do it. These are your 15 suspects, all of whom you've just met at the town meeting. Number one is Lida Rose Blodgett. She's the operator of the mail center. Number two is Emerson Bowden, the mayor. Drew Chambers is a local club owner. Drew Connor is the garage owner. Reverend Rusty Crandall is the pastor of the First Church of Sunrise. Hayden DeBeck is the leader of the Mind Science Organization. Dudley Duncan, obviously you've met as the chief of police. Deanna Harris is the local town attorney. Frank Kovic is the local reporter. William Lambert is Nate Flint's business partner. Sam Larrabee, the local diner owner. Mary Elizabeth Merchant is Abby Flint's best friend. G.D. Thibodeau is the local ferry captain and Nate's ex-employee. Jimmy Tinker, Abby Flint's boyfriend. And an X-ray is the town cabbie. These are our 15 suspects. That's all we know about any of these people right now. Yeah, and so we get a picture of each. We get the name and the, the uh, occupation. So we are like 10 minutes into this episode, and we are just overwhelmed with information. Yes. Uh, this is my second time watching this whole show. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and you just said all the suspects to me. I don't think I could name all the suspects back to you right now. No, I had to regularly reconsult. Yeah. Because I know when we talk about it, there, it's very often that I say things like, you know, the lawyer. Yeah. Because names escape me. Uh, even here, even now, hearing the mayor's name, I was like, oh, that's the mayor. That's right. Yeah. So it's overwhelming in its information. And there's, once again, too many normal names. Yes. Like, it's great that there's someone named X-Ray. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's super helpful. There's not enough of that. And, like, things like giving Rusty Crandall a full name and they call him Rusty Crandall instead of Mm -hmm. calling him, like, Reverend Crandall. Yeah. To differentiate them. Um, Stuff like that. Yeah. So... Even giving, like, Mary Elizabeth a really young-sounding name might have helped. Right. But, like, Mary Elizabeth is, like, a grown-up-sounding name, so it's not like they called her, like, I don't know, it was 2001, like, Jessie or Jenny. Yeah, or, like, kiddo or something. And as we will discuss later, Mary should have had a nickname based on what she does. Yes. (laughs) Um, so they lead them to headquarters and kind of show the headquarters. And there's a point where they're all like toasting with Aquafina. 
Yes, they're all like, mmm, th- isn't this delicious water? And I'm so accustomed to reality shows where they ply everybody with alcohol. Yeah. Um, uh, I think this also needs to be said. Uh, and I want to say this early. I probably should have said this way earlier. But uh, one of our grave robbers, M, mm-hmm. uh, was nice enough to provide us with this show. Yes. Uh, this was on the list from the beginning of shows to do. Yes. Like that, like when we first did Reality Show Month, which is the first ever four episodes of this show, uh, Murder in a Small Town X was, uh, M was nice enough to provide us with this show. And this was on the list from the beginning. This was originally going to be like, this was supposed to be episode four? Yeah, this was supposed to be instead of Whodunit. Instead of Whodunit, we were going to do this show. Uh, and we couldn't find a good enough version. So... Uh, M was nice enough to buy it on DVD. Yes. But it's not a real DVD put out by Fox. It's somebody taped it on VHS and then moved it to DVD. Yes. So every once in a while we get a commercial. Yes. (laughs) Which I loved. I loved seeing that. It made me giggle. I love that the credits had like... The ads for other ads shows. Ads for other Fox shows. Love that. So thank you to M. Just wanted to bring that up real quick. And uh, another another thing that uh, needs to be said is if you, as one of the investigators, are alone with a suspect and that suspect is the killer, you could be killed. Yeah. Anytime you are alone and not with another investigator, you are at risk that the killer could come. Because, yes. like, on top of being alone with a suspect, there are situations where it's like, meet me here alone. Something good, bad could happen on, on the route. way. Yeah. So, so th- that is, like, another just, like, worrisome wrinkle to this show. Like, right. you can be eliminated in the killer's game, or you can be eliminated just randomly during gameplay, which is exciting. Yeah, so they're at headquarters and they wake up the next morning to Gary telling them that they have to report to Municipal Pier because the cops have found Carmen's body. Yes, however, there's another part of gameplay we still have to talk about, and that's the lifeguard. Uh, yeah, we actually haven't gotten there. Oh, we haven't gotten to that yet? I'm sorry. No. Um, right, so they find this body then. But on the way to finding the body, there's just a bunch of people in tuxedos. Sweeping. Yeah, that's right. There's a bunch of the cleaner Kenny Omega around murder in a small town X. No, it's just dudes in tuxedo, people in tuxedos, just yeah, sweeping. Just sweeping. Sweep, sweep, sweep. It's very weird. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's very, very weird. And, you know, they take footage and Thibodeau is still really belligerent with everybody. And they find another 16 millimeter film. That's what they keep finding. Mm-hmm. This is when the lifeguard yes. comes into play. They create this uh, this mechanic of every episode, every three days, they will choose a lifeguard who will not go out into the field. Yes. Which means they are safe from being murdered by the killer because they never leave the building. Right. Uh, then, at, in three days when they have to play the killer's game... The investigators will vote people into the game, and the lifeguard will choose one person. Yeah, so one is by democracy, one is by dictatorship. Yeah, which, kind of interesting gameplay, uh, but I'll, I'll have a lot to say once we complete this. Yeah, and then Andy is just kind of chosen. 
as the first lifeguard. They kind of pick out of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of their immunity, um, their immunity gimmick. Yes. Is that the lifeguard cannot be killed. Yes. Because they do not leave the house, so they can't go, like, alone to meet with anybody. And he's also, like, the co- and he's the communication hub. Yeah. So, uh, they kind of go through and they see the video and they see that Nate is working on a clock. Abby's car is missing and there's a white flash in her murder video. Yes. So they do these, uh, they do these tracks. Yeah, they're going to break them up into teams. Yeah. Uh, the tracks are go to the Flint house. Yeah. And just investigate. Uh, go to the neighbor's house, who is Lighter Road Splodget, one of the possible killers. Yes. And then the other track is Go Bother Thibodeau. Go Bother Thibodeau. Just bug him. Because and, because he he said to. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so they, they do split up the uh, three, three, and three. Yeah. And we go to the Flint house, and, like, the cellar is flooded, the pipe is broken, uh, there's, like... A bloody rug and, like, a Halloween store handprint. Yes. And uh, they have cute little Polaroid cameras. Yeah. Like, very cute 2001 Polaroids. Mm -hmm. And we find out about Jimmy. And that Jimmy is 22, dating 17-year-old Abby. Yes. And Nate was unhappy about that because Nate didn't want an adult man... Committing statutory rape with his underage daughter. Yeah, th- it, it seems very logical. <laughs> and they and Jimmy and Nate had a fight the night of the murder. Yes, and it's mentioned that uh, damage is done to the car. Yes, during this, and part of the car is found because the team going to the Flint house is asked to find out what happened to the car because the car is missing, mm-hmm. and to try to figure out what the murder weapon is, and also. Clues in general. You're Just at the anything crime you scene. find, yeah. Uh, they find part of like the mirror in the snow. And yes. Like, oh, this is from the car. And then that's the end of the discussion of the car. Yeah, and they find the clock that Nate was working on. Right. And they go to Abby's bedroom, and she has a webcam. And then there's like blood everywhere. And I put a note that says no real forensic expert worked on this, did they? Because there was something about the way the blood was arranged. It was clearly, like, not realistic at all. It clearly looked like a set designer was like, eh, there you go. He was no Dexter Morgan. And uh, they find a three fifty seven casing. Yes. So they find a bullet casing. So they're like, oh, this must be for the gun. Yeah. So when they go, the track that bothers Thibodeau goes to the Sunset Club. And you see uh, lawyer Deanna and business partner William Lambert are flirting. Right. And uh, we see Alan and, like, Kimmy the bartender, who we never see again. Yeah, let's throw another character at us. Yeah. <laughs> um, talks to Alan, and then, like, Thibodeau talks to Alan. And Thibodeau tries to convince Alan that uh, Nate didn't fire him. It was mutual parting. And he warns them about Lambert. Yes. And, uh... I noticed a note that uh, Mary Elizabeth's at the Sunset Club. How old is Mary Elizabeth? It's never said. I, I don't assume know. she is 
18. She, I certainly hope she's 18. Spoilers for what's coming up later. I certainly hope she's 18. Yeah, like she's, well, she's at this club, which I would assume is not an all ages club. I guess I'm just assuming. You're assuming, yeah. Yeah, like, but she's there and I'm like, isn't she a child? Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a fight. Yes. Fight breaks out. And it, this is kind of create like, the whole town is there. So mm-hmm. it's trying to create this feeling of, like, look, there's the club owner. He's a suspect. Look, there's Mary Elizabeth. He, she's a suspect. Look, there, I think Prudence might also show her face here. Yes. Because she shows up at the Flint house as well. Yes. And they throw her out of the crime scene. Yeah, because she's like, she was trying to like wander around the house and Stacy kind of throws her out on her butt. Mm-hmm. And Thibodeau goes like, meet me at room 99. And Alan's like, I'll go by myself. By myself, I'll go. And I'm like, oh, oh, they're going to, they're going to kill an investigator in the first episode for not following the rules. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It jumps back and forth between Alan going off with Thibodeau. Yes. And Alan back at the house telling everyone what had happened. Yes. So there's no suspense here whatsoever. So basically what they're attempting to do is you have footage of this moment where he's meeting Thibodeau. Yes. Spliced in with his narration of the event. Yes. Which is him saying it to his fellow investigators. Which is normally... Really good storytelling. Yeah. Right? Like, it would be good in a Law and Order episode. Yeah, I I would feel that. I think this is them attempting to avoid doing talking heads. Yeah. But that is a huge detriment to the show because they don't know how reality shows work because it's 2001. Yeah. We as an audience understand. That a talking head takes place out of reality. Yes. So if there was a talking head of him being like, I'm going to go see Thibodeau and I'm real worried because he could be the killer and I could die. We as an audience understand that the uh, talking head is outside of reality and he could still die. Yeah. Because people who die on Escape the Night, for example, have talking heads right up to the moment of their death. Yes. But... This way of doing it breaks the, what they did not realize was going to be the standard of reality show storytelling. Yeah. And completely ruin any semblance of suspense. Yes. By telling the story this way. So, uh, then they kind of go through and like, we find out Thibodeau has an alibi. He and Prudence Connor were in Banger, Maine. Small correction. Okay. This is something that super infuriated me on second watching. Okay. Because it's disrespectful kind of to the audience. Mm-hmm. She, he, the way he says it is, I was drinking with my buddy Connor. Yes. They don't put together that it's Prudence Connor until later. It's so mean to throw 15 characters as suspects at an audience... And then call one of them the wrong name to be confusing. Yeah. And it's then, episode one. <laughs> and, and they do this pretty consistently with certain characters. They go back and forth between first and last name. Mm-hmm. And it's a problem. 
I mean, they do it specifically here as a twist. Oh. Because it's realized later, it's like, when he, oh, when Thibodeau said Connor, he wasn't talking about someone named Connor. He was talking about Prudence, because her last name's Connor. Whoa! Which I had notes in front of me, so I don't realize it's a twist. Yeah. Because I had taken notes during the beginning. Uh, which I don't imagine people were doing in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about uh, Thibodeau is a war veteran. Yes. And, like, I'm guessing based on when the show happens, Thibodeau is Gulf War. I thought they said Nam. I mean, he looks too young to be... I could be wrong. Like, he looks to be about, like, 40-ish? Someone might have just said, you know, he's had, he's got Nam flashbacks because that was a term then. Yeah. Uh, well, Con- I think we find out later Connor's father was a Nam. Okay, maybe that's wrong. Yes, you're right. I'm um, getting confused. And so they get the webcam mm-hmm. from Abby's room. Um, they're also because they're they're now all in the house again. Yeah. And uh, there are photos in the clock of Prudence Connor and Nate Flint in very compromising positions that mm-hmm. they clearly don't know about. Yeah. And. Uh, we also get into Abby's webcam because mm-hmm. her webcam recorded the call, which I don't know if that was a thing in 2001. Not really, but whatever. And uh, Abby's not much of an actress. Mm-mm. <laughs> She's crying about the fight Jimmy and Nate had to marry Elizabeth. She sounds like a husky dog. <laughs> Dad, Jimmy, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. Everyone was yelling and I was out there. Okay, Abby, what are you talking about? You know Jimmy loves you, right? <laughs> he lied to me. I don't know what to lie to you. He was using me. And then it's time to do the envelopes. Before we get into that, I just want to throw this out there. You, dear listener, may be thinking, what happened to the team that went and talked to the neighbor? Literally nothing. Nothing. You gain no information. They do a weird thing where they kind of pretend like they have hidden cameras. Mm-hmm. To, like, record this interview between the investigators and the neighbor. But nothing of importance is learned. Nothing of interest is asked. It is maybe two minutes of the show, and it is completely unremarkable. Right. We, uh, we see another person. We see Lillian Tinker, the hardware shop owner, Jimmy's mother. Mm-hmm. We never see her again, so don't worry about her. Yeah, they throw another character at us. So the question becomes, because uh, they get the red envelope with the question. Because there were no bodies found, what did I wrap the bodies in to remove them from the Flint house? Mm-hmm. And Kristen immediately says the shower curtain mm-hmm. and then thinks about it. And they remember that in the video... uh during Carmen's statement that's being forced to be recorded, um, there are no sheets on the master bed. No, there, oh, there are, are sheets, sheets on the master sheets bed. sheets on the, on the master bed. But the bed was stripped when they investigated the house. Yeah, so it has to be the bed sheets. And they are correct, which means they cross off... The police chief, because it's too convenient. Uh, they have to be able to trust the police, despite yes. the fact that it'd be so much more interesting as a show... If they couldn't implicitly trust him. And it's Deputy Dudley, right? Deputy Duncan. 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 
Because I oh I constantly wanted to call him Dudley Do Right, but and then Fredo draws a line through Duncan's picture with a regular standard issue buy it at Target black sharpie. Yes, that does not write correctly. No, it looks terrible. And like you can see in every other episode, they cross it off with the sharpie, but whenever they go back to the wall, an intern is clearly yeah. like really colored over dark. it. Like, to, if the show was made today, the picture would change, like, to red with a ba- red background, like, yeah. dramatically with a sting. Uh, it should also be noted. Which is, like, technology like we have. Yes. Like, uh, randos in our house. It should also be noted that uh, they bring up the killer's question. Mm-hmm. The killer's question is something that we as the audience could have also picked up. Yes. They... The question goes up, and they do not go to commercial. That is 100% the cliffhanger moment. They present the question that needs to be answered, and they go to commercial, and then you turn to your friend on the couch and go, what do you think the answer is? Yeah, that's a good point. That's something I didn't even think of. It's just, it's a once again them showing that this is an early reality show, and they don't understand the beats of reality television yet. Um. So then... Uh, they get it right. Duncan is cleared. And now it is time to pick who will go out in the killer's game. Yes. Um, so everyone's kind of starting to argue. Mm-hmm. And we see the votes first. Kristen votes for Jeff because she's already like called out sexism from Jeff because he's not a team player. Mm-hmm. And we see Alan pick Shirley. And then we see Stacy agonizing in the booth. And those are the only three votes we see. Yes. And then they choose Shirley, which feels like... Horror movie tropey McTrope face. Mm-hmm. She's the only woman of color. Mm-hmm. And then Andy chooses Kristen, who got the question right. Yeah, Andy, the lifeguard, yes. chooses Kristen for reasons. Yeah, my notes actually say WTF Andy. Yeah, like she should have been like the savior of the day because she got the question. Yeah. But instead she's getting punished to have to play the killer's game. And Kristen pretty much tells Andy like, hey... If I come back, your ass is toast. Your ass is grass. Like, so then uh, the two women depart for their locations. They are randomly handed on. Yeah, so there's a 50-50 chance yeah. that you're coming back. And there's a 50 chance that you're going home. Which, this is something I, I want to bring up real quick. Mm-hmm. They still use that phrase. Yeah. Like everyone, even though like since they're gonna get murdered, they're going home in a very metaphysical sense. Like and it swaps back and forth of them being like, you know, if they die, they die. It's you know, we gotta play the killer's game. I don't want anyone to die, but I'm gonna vote for this person. And then the next person in the confession will be like, This person needs to go home because I'm sick of dealing with their drama. Yes. Shirley is with X-ray the cab driver, who is a suspect. Right. She is alone with a suspect. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Yeah. And then um, we kind of see Kristen. With Thibodeau's skid. Yeah. with We're using the term skid, which is like from Letterkenny. From Letterkenny. Uh, His name is Mo, which I looked up because they don't really say it. Well, the first time you see Mo, he's in the background of Thibodeau. Like... Silently, and he looks kind of like the monster from Sinister. So it almost made me go, "Is he a demon no one else can see?" 
Like, I'm not trying to be rude, but like, he has a face tattoo and he lurks. So he's kind of really creepy. Start. <laughs> Start. Stuart. So, and I really want to point out, he's the most distinct looking person on this show and is not a suspect. He's not a suspect. So there are... 30 some then with extra there's like 35 characters and the only one I care about is this dude because he looks different from everyone yes and you get no information about him yeah 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 he could he would have been a much more interesting suspect than the neighbor (laughs) yeah uh well the neighbor does kind of have a reason to be there um more than like the club owner. Yeah. Uh, who we do not actually see very much of. Spoilers. No. Um, and I, I realized this is 2001. So this was filmed less than two years post Blair Witch Project. And boy, does it show. Yes. Because this is clearly Blair Witch yes. inspired. Each contestant is armed with the cameras from MTV's Fear. They're hilarious looking. <laughs> where, where there's a camera mounted in front of them that's filming in front of them, but also filming their own face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is in grainy, poorly lit, black and white, from a VHS tape ripped to a DVD uploaded to YouTube. Yeah, so that's the quality we're dealing with right here. It is rough. Um, it is very, very rough. So we see some night vision and we see them. It takes a really long time yeah, for anything to happen. They're trying to build suspense. But since we don't really even know what's going to happen, it's just kind of like... It's not like nervous suspense. It's just kind of like, well, get what? What even is this? Just go. <laughs> yeah. And like, and then the, uh, we hear someone start to advance on Shirley and it flashes green. Yes. And then we see them all sitting in like the control room mm-hmm. as Kristen re-enters carrying a giant X and like a bag. Yes. And almost everybody's really happy. But Andy is clearly like, oh, oh no. I, I heard my ass might be grass. Did I make it back here? Your ass is grass. Yeah. So and that's kind of where we are. Shirley has died. We never really got to know her. No. We, don't really, we still don't know much about, I would say, six of the ten, of the nine remaining investigators. Yeah. We know a little bit about Jeff. We know a little bit about Kristen. And we know a little bit about Alan. And I would say that we know about eight of the suspects of the 14 suspects now. Yeah, and there's some of them, like, we just haven't even really even seen. Yeah. Like, we haven't really seen, like, Sam Larrabee or Frank Kovic. Or the General, really. Or General DeBeck or Rusty Crandall. We don't see a lot of these people right now. Right. Um, So that's episode one. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, a few things we want to go over now with episode one. After every episode, I stopped and said, so, Lara, Mm -hmm. who's the killer? Who did you say after episode one? I said it was Lambert, Nate's business partner, because he was so demonstrably a douchebag. And Thibodeau felt like such a red herring. Uh, In the first episode, they kind of go out of their way to be like, he's shady and weird. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's Thibodeau at this point. Uh, because it seems like the show goes so far out of their way to m- want us to think it's Thibodeau. Yes. And Lambert's just the only person we really encounter who's just a douche. Yeah, I will say when I watched it live, I was leaning towards Lambert after the first episode as well. That's what I remember. Uh, it should be also pointed out, dear listener, that the murderer has now murdered... Four people. Yes. The Flints and an investigator. Yeah. But that part is never addressed and is never part of the investigation. Oh, we never ever deal with the murdered investigators. Yeah, like, like they, they never go look at that crime scene. They no. Never, and you will find out later that, that the murderer kills people uh, with a purpose. Yes. So we never find out what happens to the bodies of the investigators. No. Like, It's completely just ignored. We don't find out what happens to them. We don't find out how they die. Yeah. They're just... They get got. And that that is it. Yeah, it's... It could have used some whodunit love. I'm missing those mountain lions. Um, (laughs) It's my favorite reality show death. It is when... Don. Don got eaten by a mountain lion. Yeah, it's easily the best one. So in episode two, we set up the mechanic that whoever died... Records their last the two before they go out. The two people who have to play the killer's game record their last will and choose the last the next lifeguard. Mm-hmm. Shirley chooses Kristen. Yeah, and Andy poops his pants. Yes, uh, because Andy's like, oh, well, poop. Mm-hmm. So we still don't know why Carmen was murdered, but we have the body and we find that she has no exit wound, but she was shot at close range. Yeah, and uh, the. The clue that Kristen found was a boat that was Oscar Blodgen's boat. Yes. Now, Blodgen, uh, Blodgen's a familiar name because Lyda Rose is a suspect, his wife. Right. So track one is Lyda. Go bother her some more. Mm-hmm. Angel and Andy go on that track. Track two is go bother Prudence Connor. And Stacy goes, we should send hotties. Yeah, they don't believe that Prudence will talk to a lady. So they want to send a guy to seduce him. So they send Alan. And Alan's kind of... Alan's a white boy in 2001. Yeah. And if you were alive in 2001, you know... He's kind of like what Kyle from Moola Beach would grow up into. Yeah, he's pretty fly for a white guy. Yeah. Jeff is a male model. Yes, he at times makes the same faces as WWE wrestler Fandango. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's Zoolander, and it's great because this comes out before Zoolander. Yeah, it, but he's kind of Zoolander. He's very Zoolander-esque. Um, this film probably at the same time as Zoolander, but this stopped airing like four weeks before Zoolander came out. Yeah. And then Lindsay. Lindsay's the youngest, and she's cute. Actually, I believe Zoolander was delayed because of 9-11, right? Zoolander, I believe, comes out September 28th, 2001. Just to tie more things together. Yo! September 28th, 2001. Laura, Laura with the dates. Uh, we went to go see it for my birthday, which is oh, okay. the 29th. 
So now you know Laura's birthday. We expect presents. <laughs> no, we don't. And then track three, which I didn't write down uh, what track three was. It's Stacy, Katie, and Brian. Yeah. I Brian, they end up doing. I have forgotten about Brian entirely. Yet yeah, he's not a talker. Yes. For like, a reality show, he's not a speaker. And like, he's around for a bit. Yeah. But like, I keep forgetting about him. So we get these little moments where like, we establish that Reverend Crandall is creepy. Yeah. He says something about Abby having like, assets or something. Yeah. And he goes like, she was very pious. Honest cheerful and Abby was Abby was young and vibrant and and pious that's like in this very like was she having sex with the pastor mm-hmm. uh and again Abby is 17 like this show is this show sexualizes Abby She's real hard only 17 like it's really gross. They may, they really, this is 2001 Fox. <laughs> I wish we had kept a count to how many times I just looked at you and went, this is on Fox. <laughs> Remember, this is Fox. That'd be a good drinking game. <laughs> um, so we have like, we're kind of in this like town meeting. And Lambert announces that he is forming the Flint Foundation. Mm-hmm. Which is like a memorial for the Flint family. Right. And Thibodeau is like, gonna go be shady now, goodbye. Mm-hmm. And he storms out. And then Alan, like, chases after Thibodeau. Because I guess he figures he's already been alone with Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. So Thibodeau didn't murder him last time. Yeah, so the, they're, they're friends. And he's wandering off holding half a handle of Jack D. Oh, the last one is Thibodeau's house. Oh, that's right, they break and enter. Yeah, they do some, some they light... They do a sweet B&E. Some, some light B&E for funsies. Mm-hmm. Um... And General Hayden picks an argument with William Lambert, who plans to build a hotel where the aquaculture used to be. Yes. Flint Foundation will do good works and carry on the family name, doing things that Nate would want done. Specifically, I see a brand new hotel being built, which will be the inn at Phineas Point. Help the foundation grow and help me build this fine hotel. I believe the Lambert has something to do with it because, you know, greed, greed and greed is nasty. Let this tragedy be the starting point for my humble dream. I, I was asked to deliver a eulogy. You're delivering a commercial. Because it's 2001 and like every small town used to be a booming blank town mm-hmm. and now is like tourism or something like that. So we find out that Oscar was Lyda Rose's husband. Yes. And uh, we get to the funerals. Mm-hmm. And she's planning to go visit Oscar's grave. Yeah. And meanwhile, it cuts back to Thibodeau's house, and we find a buttload of blood. Yes. So much blood. And a camera. Yes. And I'm like, oh, this show really wants to push Thibodeau having done it. So this is a great time for me to bring this up. Mm -hmm. When I first watched this, I remember thinking, wow, these investigators are really good. Mm -hmm. Because they don't miss anything. Yeah. This time I watched it thinking to myself, what is here that could have gotten missed? Mm -hmm. This is the first time where I'm like, I think they missed a clue here. 
Yeah. Because they find all this blood by a freezer that is locked. There is no discussion of finding a key. Yeah, they never look for a key. They never try to like they never try to like fight with the freezer. Yeah. Like they, there's not even really an attempt to get this freezer open. So I'm I'm curious if there was a moment where like they could have found the key, opened the fridge, and gotten more clues. But because they didn't, they didn't. Yeah. We kind of then go back to... Because it cuts between the tracks. And we get to Oscar's grave and Leida losing it because someone has dug up her husband's grave. Yes. And now her husband's been dead since like the 70s. Yeah. So this isn't like he died recently. He's been dead for 30 years and someone dug up his grave like you do. So I forget who it is that has to do it. It's Angel and Andy. Angel and Andy uh, have to dig up this casket to see what's been disturbed. So they're given shovels and they jump in the mud in their funeral best. Yeah, it's pretty funny. (laughs) And um, we kind of see that like uh, Officer Duncan comes over and is like talking to them. And we see this like... Time passes in this particular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see nighttime for anyone else. No. We see nightfall for Angel and Andy. I guess digging up a body takes a while. They or have not to, a body. They have to watch it. Yeah. Um, because at one point, Duncan takes Angel to watch the Flint's graves. And Angel and Andy are on different parts of the cemetery alone. Mm-hmm. And Andy is a wuss. Yes. So Andy holds his flashlight in front of him and does the best impression he can of a lighthouse. He spins around. And spins around looking to see if he's going to get killed. Yes. He's all alone. Everybody hates him. They made sure you as an audience don't like him that much. He's now alone. And then they show him talking to the group about what happened to him. and And then nothing happens. And then, but we do see before they get back... Um, Christy or Kristen announces like I'm picking Andy for the killer's game. You guys better not pick him, or I'm gonna be mad at you. Can can we go back to Andy's situation real quick? Sure. Uh, in a good reality show, if this was like the quest, yeah, this would have played out more like a game. Yes, there would have been an objective. Like, it, like basically what I would have seen happening is uh, Duncan being like, we have to take one of you. Angel's going to come with uh, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will be fine as long as you stay in the lights. Sometimes the lights go out, though. There's a generator there, there, and there. Good luck. And They're, then they would drive away. And Andy would be playing Dead by Daylight, the Lord. No, he'd be playing Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. <laughs> is what he's like, oh, we got to keep the power on and stuff like that. And it would be interesting for a couple minutes. There'd be a few shots of, like, green camera looking at him, like, oh, he's in peril. And then it would have been over. And we would have cared about this moment. Yeah. Instead of brutally disappointed by it. So then um, we, we cut back to, like, Daytime. What days go by? Yeah. And uh, Jeff and Prudence are on a boat alone having a drink together. Mm -hmm. Again, 
one of the male investigators goes out with a suspect. Yes. Alone. And they've been kind of hedging on how to tip Prudence off that they know about the affair. Yeah. And Jeff just Kool-Aid man's in and goes like, we have these pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not real subtle about it. And she gets very upset and she kind of goes like, oh, I loved Nate. Like, tries to really say that, like, she loved him. And uh, Alan is pretty sure at this point that Mary Elizabeth's not the killer. And they don't think Prudence did it right now. Right. And Thibodeau says, like, he's sick from the war. Yeah, he keeps saying that he's sick and he needs the blood. Yeah, because the blood turns out to be bagged blood and not from the flints. Yeah. It's just, like, blood. Yeah. Like the the type that Angel would steal from a hospital. Yeah. Angel the vampire. Yeah, like, so he said... Not Angel the contestant. He mentions being anemic and... They throw around, I think, the phrase, uh, Gulf War Syndrome. Yes. Killer's game time. Red envelope. And they go, what was the date of Oscar's birth? And Andy and Angel were like, we took a picture of his tombstone. It was this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they clear x-ray, which makes sense because that's the other person they're constantly putting an investigator alone with. Yeah. And then uh, Andy... Gets voted in by the group, and Kristen's pissed. Right. Because, like, she didn't want to have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. She chooses Brian, but, like, tells Brian, I want you to come back. Yeah. And he does. And he does. Now, I, I want to explain this to you guys, because it, it's, there's, like I said, there's so much going on. And so I know, like, I keep complaining that the... The show is throwing so much information at us, mm-hmm. and then we are now just throwing it at you. Yeah. The format of this show is it's an hour long episode. Mm-hmm. The first 75% of it is crime scene investigation CSI stuff. Yes. Then they <laughs> there's like this five to seven percent where there's just all of a sudden there has to be a vote. So they show these, like, weird clips of, like, look, there's drama in the house. They're scheming. They're bad. They hate each other. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have to, like, jam in the reality show real quick before the vote happens. Yes. Um, I didn't even have what where they uh, went. Because I'm going to be honest, it really never matters where they went. The, the locations of the killer's games? Yeah. No. They never matter. No, they never really um, matter. It, really it matters exactly once, but not this time. Yeah, and she wants Brian to come back, and Brian does. Yeah, Brian comes back. Andy gets got. Andy gets got. We're all glad. And he brings back what exactly? I forget his... his I don't two. think we get it yet. Oh, yeah, he just comes back, and they, they save it for the next episode. Yeah, they never show the clue. He comes back with the X. Yeah. That murder in small town X is named for. And he comes back with that. And then, end of episode. End of episode. Uh, so, uh, at this point I ask Laura again, who do you think the killer is? At this point I still think it's Lambert. This one ends with this weird Mary Elizabeth stinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you see her, like, 
looking at pictures of Abby, her friend Abby, who she loved. And then she puts on like a cheerleading uniform, I believe. Yes. But it's Abby's. Yes. Uh, This is where, when I watched it live, I start to feel suspicious about Mary Elizabeth. So she kind of jumps up in my my listings. Yeah, at this point, I I think she's weird. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she's the killer at this time. Okay. So um, you're you're still on Lambert at yeah. that episode too. Yeah, because we I don't really have a strong reason to suspect other people. I, I'm getting annoyed at this point because like Thibodeau is so clearly like red herring from a pup named Scooby Doo. Yeah. Okay. Episode three. Yeah. Uh, we open on an almost car accident. X-ray is driving his car or his cab. <laughs> Um, and he is almost hit by a white car with one headlight, and he sees that it was Jimmy driving Abby's car, like a, like a madman. Like a madman. And then we go back to the house. Um, and it's all of them complaining that Kristen made a bad call because she shouldn't have sacrificed Brian. Who did come back. Who's fine. Yeah. Um... And Andy willed that Alan should be the lifeguard because Alan is a good listener. Even though Alan has, like, snuck off twice alone with people, just like, doop 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 So he can't even listen to the rules of the game. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could... I think it would have been better to uh, say it should be him because of his relationship with Thibodeau. Yeah, or, like, to protect him from himself. Yeah, that would have been a great reason. Uh, because he keeps wandering off with suspects. So we they discuss Jimmy for a little bit. And this is when we get the clue that Brian has brought back. It fingers. Yes, my, my drink namesake. He finds two fingers that are sealed in a sardine and mustard container. Yeah. And they are perfectly preserved. Yes. Which is important. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, well, this is, this is pretty gross. What do we think about Jimmy? And then Stacy's like, Jimmy loved Abby. He wouldn't kill her because Stacy's like 12. Yeah. Um. So they go talk to Mayor Bowden, who's a hobby taxidermist. Yeah, one of them hobby taxidermists. And he says, like, the whole body had been preserved. Right. Not just the fingers. That's what he's able to show. And they're like, well, how would you have gotten taxidermy equipment? And he's like... The internet. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff on that there internet. <laughs> well, he's like, anyone can get anything with the internet these days, because it's 2001. Uh, we see, like, a couple things happen in the streets. We see Jimmy and Mary Elizabeth walking together, and everyone's just kind of like, hmm. Yeah, suspicious. And we see Sam Larrabee and Frank Kovic fighting, because she might be pregnant. Right. And, uh... Jeff is, like, creeping in the shadows watching them. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them are doing surveillance from a van. Yeah. And they're not, like, subtle. So Frank Kovic, the reporter, comes in and screams at them. Yeah. Like, please get out of my life. Like, go away. Mm-hmm. And this is the other quote we really liked. Yeah, from Stacy. Frank Kovic is an angry man. Um, I believe that he's he's having an affair with Sam Larrabee. I think he's definitely banging her. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm like, that's an affair, Stacey. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what that means. 
and we see the sweepers again. And at this point, we now realize that like everyone can see them and they're not just like the audience can see them. Yeah. Because I genuinely wasn't sure. Yeah. And they disappeared for the second episode. Yeah, they do not come up at all in the second episode, which is so frustrating. Yeah, because like it's a weird semi-supernatural-ish element because mm-hmm. it's such a strange thing. Like it's not a thing that happens in any small town. Like I know neither is like murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like at least murder in a small sleepy town is like a trope. Mm-hmm. This is just like sweeping. Yeah. Um, I, like I never understood what they were for in the first half of the series. We see Mary Elizabeth and Jimmy talking. Yes. And she goes like, "Where was the first place you and Abby made love? What? Make love to me like you did, Abby." Damn, she's got she's like in her panties and a bra. Are you serious? I swear. Talk to me like you talk to Abby. Yeah. Call me Abby. And she's like being weird. Yes, quite. And Lindsay is affronted. Lindsay yes. thinks this is some shit. Scandalous. Uh, we see her in a brawl and panties because Fox. And I'm like, is she 17? <laughs> yeah, how old is he? We don't, we don't know. Um, and then like we have a talking head of Katie where she like has a dream about the killer murdering her. Yes. And then it's like, it was awesome. I had a dream that the killer had strapped me down to a table and he had a gas mask on and I actually saw him cut open my intestines and start pulling my intestines out. I always think the worst that way. I won't be surprised when something happens. So that's how I mentally prepare myself for everything that we do. Yeah, she's super into it. She's very strange. And I I wanted to point that out just because it's the first establishing moment of Katie. Mm Mm-hmm. Three episodes in. Yeah. Uh, I also want to bring up, there's a moment earlier with uh, Mary Elizabeth where she's kind of doing like a wake of some sort. Yeah. And she says something like, me and Abby were like twins. She will live on through me. Yes. Uh, Like, she's very clearly like single white femaling me. Yeah. Femaling Abby. Okay, yeah. So they had sex in that part. Um Mary Elizabeth and Jimmy had sex, not yes. Mary Elizabeth and Abby. Yeah, sorry, I was <laughs> trying to make sense of my notes because there's two Mary Elizabeth and Jimmy scenes and I want to uh, make sure I had the right one. I, That's I, the one where they had sex. I also want to point out, because Laura missed this until I brought it up, uh, Mary Warren is a character from The Crucible. Yes. And So is Abigail. And Abigail is like... And Mary's middle name is Elizabeth. Yes, so like... They're, they're definitely tying some Crucible stuff here. Yes. Some Salem witch trial stuff into this, which I thought was interesting. Yarp. We have this, like, this bit, and we see Brian has stayed up with Alan, because Brian wasn't in the uh, surveillance group. Like, a bunch of people are, like, sleeping in a van. Meanwhile, right. Brian is, like, at the house, but he stays up with Alan. Right. Officer Duncan shows up, and... Uh, they, cause Katie and Angel see the car drive into the bay at like 4.30 in the morning. Well, they, to, to clarify that, mm-hmm. they're on this corner and yeah. their job is to take a picture of the car if it goes by. Yeah. They're there for hours. Yes. They're, they're through the night. Yes. And then the car flies by. Yes. They do not get the picture. They get like a blurry picture of a car that flew by randomly. Yes. And then we as the audience are shown the car being driven into the bay. Uh, I I don't believe they knew that. 
Right. Okay. Um, uh, I want to point out that the car flips over onto its hood mm-hmm. and then sinks into the water. Yeah. I will yell about this later. Okay. Everyone's kind of... Jeff, Lindsay, and Stacy are still staking out. They're still sleeping in, like, the surveillance van. So Kristen and Brian, who were not in that track, need to go to the town meeting. Right. And Lambert and Lyda are having a disagreement because she doesn't want to sell land she owns that Lambert needs for the hotel. Right. And Hayden Beck appears via satellite. <laughs> no, he no, he he appears via VHS. VHS tape. Ladies and gentlemen of the town council, as a proud, long-standing citizen of Sunrise, let me say this: if you allow William Daniel Lambert to desecrate and develop the old sardine factory, you will venture down a path that will irrevocably damage this great town of ours. That was so weird. Next, you know, one of the sweepers walks up. Just flips in the tape, and the tape just starts talking, and everyone just stops in awe. You must preserve this piece of land of yours. It's very important that this is pre-recorded and not something anyone can interact with, and something that someone could walk up to the VCR and just hit stop and eject, and it would be over. Yeah. They, they find out that, like, he argues against Lambert building his hotel. Yes. And they find out that Abby's car is in the bay, and Abby's car is being towed through town. Well, they go and investigate it first. Yeah, oh, Angel has to deal with more mud, that's right. Because they, 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 the tide recedes, mm-hmm. and the car is sitting there. Does not look like it flipped over and landed on the roof. It looks like it was driven there. It doesn't look like it fell off a dock. Yeah, and like, sure. the windows are broken, but they find stuff in the car. Yeah. And they, they dig the, through the car looking for clues. I don't think they find anything too interesting, nope. but they try. Uh, the car gets, like, pulled through the town. Yes. You know, we there's not, like, a better way to pull. No, let's do middle of the day through town square. And Jimmy, like, has a conniption because mm-hmm. he's grief-stricken over the loss of Abby. Uh, Mary tries to comfort him, and he freaks out, and she says, See me as Abby, <laughs> and he attacks her. Yeah. In his grief. What about last night, Jimmy? What? There was no last night. Okay, so you can come over to my apartment and have sex with me, and then you're going to say that there's no last night? See me as Abby, Jimmy. What? See me as Abby. You want to see Abby? Leave me. You want to see Abby? Yes. The, the way to comfort this grieving boyfriend is pretend I'm the person who's dead. Yeah, and like... <laughs> You know, it's... And Lambert pulls Jimmy off. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the house a little bit. It's like this weirdly sweet moment where, like, Alan cooked dinner for everybody. Yeah. I don't know why this is in the show. There's already um, so much packed into this. The fact that they had time to be like, who wants casserole? Well, they, they kind of need to... They realize they need to show more of the investigators interacting mm-hmm. so that... The votes make sense. Yeah. And like, Kristen and Jeff get in the jacuzzi. She fights with Jeff and she fights with Stacy. And that's when we get the line. For the group, I feel it'd be better if Kristen did die. We also uh, find out that Taco Bell is now sponsoring. They lost the Aquafina sponsorship. They're seen like arguing and it gets like real intense. And then there's that like dramatic sting of when it goes to commercial. And then it's 
Murder in a Small Town X is brought to you by Taco Bell. Think outside the butt. And then it gets cut off because it was edited out. Uh, they, they start telling Gary Frito, who does not do much as the host. Um, no, he really does. He's supposed to be the lead investigator, but he does very little. And uh, there's a really good reaction shot when they tell him, like, yeah, she said to see me as Abby. Call me Abby. And there's a great shot of him being like, oh. Ooh. Um, and uh, we find out from Frank that he, is get- he was getting sued by Nate for libel. Yes. Giving, like, to give Frank, the reporter, a motive. Mm-hmm. And Frank just kind of goes on a rant. I'm writing in the paper that Kingfisher is on the verge of bankruptcy, which it is. The next morning, I get slapped with two lawsuits from Nady Flint. He takes out a libel suit against the Sunrise Herald and a $1 million libel suit against me. He actually used the word hate. He hated Nate Flint. Nate's business partner is even worse than he is. What? Bill Lambert is as crooked as Nate Flint was stupid. Um, pretty crooked. So when you're getting sued for a libel, you should definitely insult the person who is suing you <laughs> yeah, loudly yeah. in front of witnesses constantly. Yeah, yeah, you should commit some slander. Uh, and the the red envelope question is the daily tide variation. Yeah. And they agree that it's 23 feet, which is what Angel says, and it's correct. Yeah, at this point, I, w- I just want to bring up the decline of the killer's question. Yeah. Because the first one with the bed sheets was something that you as the audience could, like, figure out through deducing things and clues. Mm-hmm. The next two are just kind of facts. Yeah. That, like... Were mentioned in passing. But, like, th- the date of Oscar's birth is a phone call away. Yeah. And the tide, you just need to look at, like, an almanac? Yeah, like, they seem to know it, but we don't see. Like, they could not see. Yeah. And they clear light a rose. The neighbor. The neighbor, who, like... Okay. She didn't dig up her own husband's corpse, it turns out. It's also, like, at this point, the only way someone like light a rose could have been doing it is if she'd had accomplices. Because, like, it still has to be plausible. Yeah, she's an she's older woman. like an like, old, infirm widow. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense that she was able to murder an entire three-person, able-bodied family. Mm-hmm. And then murder investigators in cold blood. Right. Like, unless it's the fastest little old lady you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like... She couldn't realistically have gotten the drop on Shirley and Andy. Right. Um, so Light of Rose is cleared. We see the sweepers again because the show does like go like, oh yeah, them. Yeah, remember, they're going to come up later. Here's an establishing shot of the sweepers just so you remember that they're there. And they're good atmospherically. They kind of add like a very creepy aspect mm-hmm. of like, nothing's right. And uh, we see the... Um, the vote. Yes. Uh, Kristen picks Stacy, and so does Lindsay. Everyone else picks Kristen. Yes. And then Alan chooses Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So Kristen's going to have to go out again. Yeah. So she's going out for the second time in three episodes. Yes. Yeah, so the only a- one she didn't go out for was the time she was immune. She was the lifeguard. So this is her second time out there. So this means that to survive the killer's game twice, it's a 25% chance. Yes. It's like playing roulette 
and getting an even black number. Yes. Roughly. Um, is the odds. And we get the very long drawn out sequence of them going through their respective locations, which again, not important. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay is killed and Kristen returns. Like, yeah. And we, again, we don't see the clue. So, because we don't yeah. see the clue until the next episode, she, ever. Yeah, she just comes back and she's like, I did it. It's kind of, it's a bad way to end a show. Like, it's, I understand you always end on the elimination. Mm-hmm. But, like, the you should get the clue so we have something to ponder for next week. Yeah, like, it would be a better, like, kind of cliffhanger if... They were not... It would be a better cliffhanger if we kind of had something to go on. Mm -hmm. But all we get is this person's cleared and this person's eliminated. And then we get text that's like, this many investigators remain, this many suspects remain. Which they really should consider putting like a list. Yeah, man, that would be super helpful if they ever just put a list on screen. Because like, at this point we've cleared two suspects. Or three suspects. We've cleared one per episode. Mm-hmm. There's still 12 suspects remaining. There are people we haven't really seen since the pilot. Yeah, we haven't really seen the lawyer. We haven't really seen the club owner. Right. Uh, we haven't really seen... Uh, see, the I, diner owner. The diner owner, yeah, because other than that she might be pregnant. Like, we just started seeing Frank. We don't see much of the past. We've seen, like, a little bit of the pastor and the general. Yeah. And we've seen a little bit of the mayor. Yes. Like, we've seen everybody, but, like, we haven't seen much. Yeah. And there is this thing that the show does that there are there are things that happen just for us, the audience, mm-hmm. that the investigators don't see. Yeah. And it's, like, it could be something big like watching the car fall into the, the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also times where it's, like... When they went and talked to the mayor, after they leave, the mayor just kind of like walks out of his office and squints at them. Yeah. Like, to, to kind of like look suspicious. Don't like, be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. I want to bring that up because this is going to be a real sticking point in episode two of this podcast. Okay. So, I do have notes. At the top of episode four, have I listed the remaining investigators? Before we get into episode four, though, it's very important that I ask you this. Laura, who's the killer? I I apparently still think it's Lambert, according to my notes. Yes. That's Um, that's what you told me. When I watched this live, I was pretty convinced it was Mary Elizabeth. I'm always looking at this from the person who has seen too many procedurals, and I'm not positive... Like, I'm not positive if Mary Elizabeth is capable of this yet. Right. But I might come around to a different point of view Mm -hmm. after this episode. Uh, So we start off with a cold open again. Yes. And this time, Lyda Rose Blodgett, who was cleared in the last episode, has been murdered. Has been murdered. Um... My next note is the dude sleep nudes. Yeah, everybody like, runs downstairs in their underwears being like, they're being no, male. No, they mom. like, they run down in like towels. Yeah. Like, it's strongly implied like they weren't wearing. They were all showering together. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, I just assumed they were all sleeping naked and the towel was like the first thing they could grab. Yeah. Um, but it's all of them to the point where I'm like, is this a bit? Like, did they all go yeah. like, it'd be really funny if we all came down the stairs in a towel. Yeah. It looks like an Old Spice crossover ad placement, but it's not because this is sponsored by Taco Bell. And so the, the tracks are... Uh, Who's the lifeguard before we get into that? I think that's important. Um, we don't know yet. Oh. We do not have that yet okay. in the episode. Uh, what they did find in... Um, a killer's clue? No, what they found in Abby's car was a pack of $2 bills with the name of a neighboring city on it. Yes. But they didn't know what that meant yet. And um, so the first track is... Uh, Lyda's house, the crime scene. Right. The second track is to go to another town because $2 bills is the name of a seedy bar in this neighboring city. Mm-hmm. And track three is a, the 16 millimeter film that Kristen brought back a few episodes ago. They got it developed and here it is. Yeah. And it's a testimony from a man who had been burned in an accident. Yes. And he talks about... My earliest memory was in 1941 when I was eight years old. I remember running through a dark hallway filled with smoke. There were flames at my back chasing me. My clothes were on fire. My hair was on fire and there was no escape. Then a wall collapsed and I was outside. There was so much smoke and flame I couldn't see anyone, but somewhere I could hear people screaming and I, the left side of my face had melted and my tongue had swollen. I couldn't do anything but run. I finally stumbled off the wharf and into the tide. A few days later, a fishing boat found me 40 miles away, barely alive and clinging to a piece of driftwood. They spoke almost no English and took me to Bar Harbor with them. I didn't see the town of sunrise again until I was a man. So, because what this show needed was another character. Yes, but they know that Frank Kovic has done some research on this man. Yeah, they put his picture in the newspaper, and uh, I, I think Kovic and like a hotel owner are like, I know this dude. Yeah. Oh, Kovic is their contact to the hotel owner. Yes. Cause, oh, because they put it in the paper because of Kovic, right? Yes. The 16 millimeter film looks higher quality than the, a lot of the rest of the show. Oh, it looks great. <laughs> despite the fact that it's in universe 30 years old. You know what 16 millimeter film doesn't have? Audio. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Because it's film. It's, it's film you shine light through. Like, there's no audio attached to that. I mean, how does audio work in, like, a film reel situation? Uh, it's separate? I might be talking out of my ass. You might Because, <laughs> like, we watched an episode of Bob's Burgers today, today that hinged now on... I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Let's... I'm gonna do a Google. <laughs> 16 millimeter film audio? 
16 millimeter film reels can have sound on them too. All right. You should look for the rust colored strip running along the edge of the film reel. This magnetic band storms stores the audio. Noah did no research. <laughs> yeah, Noah did less than no research and then Noah was just wrong. Um, Noah did a bad. Noah did a bad. <laughs> Is that going to have a song? Or is that the that, song? That was the song. <laughs> but but now if I ever do a bad again, we have a song for it. Oh, good. All right. So, uh, we now find out that Lindsay, in her last will, chose Brian. Yes. Uh, which you're like, oh, thank God. We'll figure out who Brian is. Yeah, we'll learn a thing about this mystery man. He's the one I think Brian did it. He's too quiet. So, uh, Katie and Angel get sent to Lita's house. Because they've worked together as a team before. Mm-hmm. And they they work together pretty well. And we kind of see that, like, Angel's kind of fond of Katie. Not, like, in an unseemly way. But he clearly, like, thinks of her as a little sister. And they find Lita's hair on the ground. Like, they, again, no body. Mm-hmm. But Lita's hair is all over the floor. As if it had been shaved off. Yes. Uh, which we kind of saw in the film of her, like, in the cold open. Yes. Which I don't know if they have. I don't know if they get the film of her murder. I don't think they do. Um, they also find a slide puzzle. Yeah, they find a blood-colored slide Blood-covered. Covered. What did I say? Colored. A blood-covered slide 15 puzzle, mm-hmm. which bugged me out because that's actually... I owned that exact thing. Like a sterling silver A sterling engraved. silver slide 15 puzzle. Uh, that I used to just keep in my pocket and play with. Uh, but it's covered in blood, and it's engraved, and it's Kovic's. Yeah, it's a gift from Kovic's wife. It has, like, an inscription of, like, you make all the pieces fit together. Yes. Um, they Kovic's all... wife. Yes. Who is not Sam Larrabee. Not Sam Larrabee. They also find, in a door jam, a little piece of, like, yellow fabric. Yes. And they're like, well, that's weird. It looks like something got snagged on this. So they grab that. Uh, and and they also have, like, the last call? Her oh, phone made. Yeah, they hit redial. Yeah, they hit redial, and it was Reverend Crandall. And they were like, why was she on the phone with you that day? And he was like, I, I think it was, like, about the bake sale. Like, it's it's something completely innocent. Yeah. And he's just like... So convincingly bewildered by the yeah. question, where he's like, uh uh-uh, uh, bake sale? Yeah, well, why are you calling me? Something happened to her? Yeah, which is, you know, <laughs> is that murderer on the loose still murdering? <laughs> so then they go to $2 bills. Alan is so awkward. Yes. Um, Actually, I don't see who... One of the women is with I, Alan. Oh, it's Kristen. I think it's Kristen, yeah. Alan and Kristen go to $2 bills. And it's a strip club. It's a strip club because this show's on Fox. And it's amazing because (laughs) Alan is so uncomfortable. He's so uncomfortable, but he's still being like, I got got to give him $2. I have to. And Kristen's like, no, that's evidence we found in a car. And he's like, no, I think I have to do this. I'm pretty sure I have to give $2 to these strippers. Yeah, like... (laughs) And then, this, I think, is my favorite moment. Yeah. All right, now put 
put your hands together for that bad girl from across the bay, Mary Elizabeth. Oh, they're gonna go nuts. And Laura goes, who strips under their real name? <laughs> In my defense, who strips under their real name? But honestly, this kind of thing really reflects back to the whole Prudence Connor twist. Mm -hmm. It was far too early in the show for them to, to do that to us, where they're like, it's Connor. Oh, I meant Prudence Connor. Ah, oh, twist. To have a moment where they're like, now coming to the stage, Candy, and then reveal that it's Mary Elizabeth Warren, would have had like... Now coming to the stage, Abby. Exactly. That, that she should have been going by Abby. Which is in my notes. Yeah, like, that would have been so perfect and such a nice reveal. Because no, like, no 18-year-old sex worker is going by their real name. So The club will probably wouldn't let her. So, what could have been a nice moment of having Mary Elizabeth come out on stage under an alias, see the murder police there, and then get worried is instead replaced by Mary Elizabeth being like, that's right, I'm a stripper. Did you find them bad murderers yet? I'm playing with boobs <laughs> right now. You I guys was, can't see it. I was not going to say that you were doing that because I did not want to admit that. And also, she just she dances right up to Alan like, I know you. You're the one looking for murderers. And then there's another stripper there who's like, I don't know what's going on, but he's got two dollars. And can I point out another character? And can I point out the the other stripper doesn't look different enough from Mary? <laughs> no, of course not. She also has like short dark hair, and I believe is dressed in, if not the same colors, similar colors. Look, and I understand we're in Maine. We're in the world's whitest state. But damn it, please get some people who look different oh so God. we can solve a mystery. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is rough. <laughs> um, and then Mary Elizabeth is given $2 and she's like, I have to talk to you. And then they go to the champagne room, which is really a booth off to the side. It's not a big set. <laughs> no. Like, they're, they're not even in, like, a private room. No. They're in a... <laughs> they're in the strip joints, though. Yeah, they're, like, in a booth. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, what happens next bothers me because they're in a booth. Mary is talking to Kristen and Alan, mm -hmm. and it's completely chill. No one's antagonizing each other. And Mary admits she dumped the car for Jimmy. He begged her to hide the car. But Jimmy is... Jimmy also works here as a tech... But is never here at the same time she is. Yes. And then two bouncers like Kool-Aid man into the conversation. And I'm like, <laughs> also unrealistic. Mm. Bouncers would never interrupt someone working if it didn't look like there was a problem. Yeah, because like, for all they know, they paid for this like time. And like, she doesn't look upset. No. I'm like, okay, Fox executives, please tell me that I, a woman who is not terribly worldly... Knows more about sex worker etiquette than you. It also makes sense logically in terms of plot mm -hmm. for them to just have made it that Mary Elizabeth didn't want to talk to them. Yeah. 
Like, it could have still been like, we caught you here. You got to talk to us for a moment. And then she gets kind of worried and she's like, okay, just don't tell anyone I was here. Yeah. And then she'd look worried and there'd be a rush. And it. this whole scene makes no sense. Nope. That she's just stripping under her real name. And I want to really stress this. Uh, it's supposed to be a secret that this place exists. Yeah. Because no one really knows what $2 bills is. Yeah. In Sunset, Maine. Right. Because it's in another town. But apparently, Mary Elizabeth works there. Jimmy works there, and now they're going to go talk to the owner. Yeah, and like, not for nothing, um, do you go places outside of the town you live in? Do I? Yeah. Not recently, but I used to a lot. But like, when it's not COVID time. Yeah. Okay. So, would you imagine that if it was someplace that was commutable for an 18-year-old to work at... That the men of Sunrise, Maine had somehow never found out? Well, I think that what they're implying is that this place is secret. Because they're only able to get in because they have $2 bills. Oh. That's the the idea that they're trying to express. It's kind of speakeasy It doesn't make any sense later. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, for now, I think that's the plot. So they, they haul Alan and Kristen to the owner. Mm-hmm. And it's Lambert! Yeah, he's sitting in a swivel chair so he can turn around and do like a reveal. Yes. And it's Lambert. Yep. And Lambert makes a comment about Lyda Blodgett having been cruel to his mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, Kristen says like, he Lambert's kind of sexist. He only wants to talk to Alan. Mm-hmm. Kristen tries to break in. To the conversation, and Lambert shuts her down hard. Yeah. Because Alan is wearing a wire. Right. Um, meanwhile, back at the Burned Man track, um, Bill, the innkeeper, talks about how like the Burden Man was found hanged. Yes. He, and, he had hung himself. Well, they, they kind of, at that moment, leave it fairly ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And... The innkeeper Bill, because we needed more characters. We needed another character. Calls the burned man a freak. Mm-hmm. And Kovic, like, gets very unhappy. Like, Kovic's very upset about this. Yeah, he's like, you don't know what his family was. You don't know anything about him. Uh, and on the way home from this, because Kovic's in the car with them on the way home, uh, Kovic talks about how he was adopted. Family is extremely important, and I'm adopted. And the Kovics adopted me, and they are my parents. My biological mother died when I was a baby. I never knew my biological dad. I mean, they made my childhood golden for me. And I owe them everything. Signaling hard that him getting really sensitive about the burned man's family. I was like, mm, he's related to the burned man. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next thing we know... It's uh, Rusty Crandall rocks up to the investigator's house. And he's like, hi, so I have a tape Mm -hmm. that Mary Elizabeth said I should bring to you. Mm -hmm. Because Mary Elizabeth, I guess, left the $2 bills and went right to church. Which I think they say. Yeah. Um, And it's the audio of the murder. Yes, because apparently when the Reverend was like, she called about the bake sale... He was just lying and wrong because it it was really 
a voicemail that was left on the entry sheet. Yeah. I believe there's not, we're never really given a reason. We're never really given a reason that Crandall is given this information. So for all we know, the killer hit redial. Right. We like we don't know that he lied. No, because about the bake sale. No, because like the, when Deputy Dudley hits redial, that means that was the last number called. Yes. So that means that the last call had to be on this voicemail. Right. So this voicemail is the last call that he had. Mm-hmm. And it was to the reverend, and it got recorded on his answering machine. I shouldn't say voicemail. It's an answering machine. Yes. Uh, so when they call and say, hey, why did this woman call? And he says, I don't know, bake sale. That is not the phone call that happened. Right. There may have been a previous one, I guess. Yeah, that was but, my thought. It was like, that call happened, mm-hmm. but then the killer hit redial. But this whole, like, it convolutes everything. Yeah, there's not Where, really a reason. He could have just said, like, I didn't talk to her. Yeah. And then it would have been suspicious. But this just kind of like muddies the water. As like, Which I think is the point. It does it in a confusing way and not a suspicious way. But anyway, we find out that there's a 10.15 p.m. time of death mm-hmm. for Lyda. And Katie but, talks... But the, the voicemail happens at 11. We are not there yet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, we're not even in that episode, I don't think. Oh. Um, yeah, no, we don't. we don't know that yet. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a reveal. So we get the 1015 time of death for Lyda. Katie tells everyone about the engraved puzzle. And she correctly deduces that it must have fallen before the murder because it was then covered in blood. Yes. And there was, when you pick the puzzle up, a clean spot under it mm-hmm. where blood didn't fall. And then we see Lambert's jacket. Or they think that it might have been off Lambert's jacket, that yellow piece of fabric they found. Yeah, because he has an engraving on his back, like a a stitched engraving of this, like, symbol. So track one is to go to casino night at the Sunset Club, which is just a social event that this town is having. Mm -hmm. But theoretically, if there had been multiple murders in this very small town... (laughs) Casino night would be canceled. (laughs) Yeah, like, it feels really disrespectful mm-hmm. of, like, hey, a notable family was killed last week, yeah. and another person was killed yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, like, okay. So, that's track one, and then track two is going to go back to $2 bills and see what Jimmy's up to. And they talk about, they established that there was a fire in 1941, at the sardine factory. And no one died except the sardine business. Mm-hmm. So we get to the track that's at the Sunset Club. And Prue mentions that like Sam Larrabee has a condition where she has night terrors. <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about her night terrors. And so like Prudence Connor mentions that. Uh, Alan is talking to the lawyer, Deanna Harris. And like she's kind of like coming on to him and he... He is very scared of her. Yes. And then the group that goes to $2 bills um, finds Jimmy watching a sexy video of Abby that he made. Yeah. Because Fox. Because Fox. And like, Alan mentions the car and Jimmy admits that he like had had the fight with Nate and had kind of a tantrum. 
He had gone to the house to, like, go talk to Abby. Yeah, drunk. Drunk. Saw the blood all over the place and panicked and left. Mm-hmm. So we go back to track one of Casino Night and Lambert is still hyping up this hotel he wants to build. And uh, Frank Kovic is wasty face. Yes, also drunk. There's a lot of drinking. Yeah. None of the contestants are drinking like a reality show. <laughs> and he toasts to Lambert and he essentially accuses Lambert of the murders. They fight and Frank is kicked out of the building. Mm-hmm. At Phineas Point. To the end. Excuse me, excuse me. Have uh, one more toast to make to Bill Lambert. Congratulations, your dream's coming true, Bill. You can uh, build your hotel the inn at Phineas Point. You can expand the airport as you eliminated one more obstacle. Lida. <sighs> Our editor seems to have a drinking problem. <laughs> you see the club owner for a moment? Yeah, you see him for you haven't seen him the for hottest some... of seconds. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Katie has developed a rapport with Lambert. So Kristen, they, the fire alarm goes off and they're all forced to investigate, but they need to get this coat from Lambert to see if the fabric matches up. So Kristen takes Katie's coat and goes... Go tell him you're cold. Yeah. And like, it's a good move. Yeah, it's a great move. And Katie goes like, I'm cold. And Lambert, without fail, gives her the jacket. Mm-hmm. And Katie totally takes credit for it with the rest of the investigators. Yes. And Kristen's pissed mm-hmm. because it was her idea. That being said, Kristen has already burned so many bridges. Kristen had to get Katie mm-hmm. to be a patsy because like she couldn't have gone and gotten the coat from Lambert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a prediction here in my notes that Frank will be cleared soon. Yes, you think um, it's going to be that Frank's going to I think Frank is going to be next or the next one after that. And uh, I assume, because we are now working so much with Frank, that mm-hmm. it's going to be the same thing as the cop, where it's like, he's your other like NPC guy on the inside, like X-Ray. Mm-hmm. Um. And they ask about, the. we get to the killer's game, and the red envelope question is, what sleeping disorder does Sam have? No one remembers the real name. They just remember that it's Night Terrors. Mm-hmm. And they clear the club owner. Yes. Who I have listed as the club owner, because I can't remember his name. I don't remember his name. Because <laughs> he's in, like, probably has a total screen time of 60 seconds. Yeah, I, there's a part where, like, they go to the Sunset Club and he's performing. Yeah. It might not even be this, like, we may have not even seen that scene. But there's a moment where I'm like, who's that? Oh, yeah, that's one of the suspects. I guess he also performs at the club he owns. Yeah, and then, like, so Stacy volunteers to go out on the killer's game. Yes. So, like, no, they don't really vote. as Like, Stacy volunteers and Brian accepts that. Yes. And then everyone votes out Kristen. Yes, so Kristen's going out again. So this is her third time out. Surviving the killer's game three times in a row, 12.5% chance. Just saying. Yeah. Um, side note, you just throwing those kinds of like long shot statistics, making me want to vomit. <laughs> um, it's election night. Oh, I was like, why? <laughs> I didn't. I thought you were allergic to math for a moment. No, no, it's election night and I have no idea uh. what's going to happen and I'm going to throw up. 
Um, so Kristen is like almost nice to Stacy as they pack up to go. And Stacy is with X-Ray and Kristen's with the skid. And uh, I remember this is the one where Kristen's in the community theater. Kristen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Stacy is murdered and Kristen finds a plaque and a picture with Duchamp's. Mm-hmm. Or she says Duchamp's. Duchamp's, Which yeah. is Duchamp, Duchamp in French. She returns. Yeah, she, so she survived again. And at this point, Angel and Katie make their peace with her. Mm-hmm. So Angel and Katie kind of go like, okay, you have done a lot. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Yeah. She actually comes up the steps going, this killer doesn't like me. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was fun. Which is funny because like at this point, no one does. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. <sighs> that's, that's the end of episode four. Yeah. So I ask you at this point, who's the killer? I still think it's Lambert. Yeah. They've made it a point to have Lambert in every episode, and he's the only person who's appeared in every episode, because we don't really see Thibodeau mm-hmm. in this one. So I, I feel like it's Lambert just in rule of fiction at yeah. this point. I still, at this point when I was watching it live... I really wanted it to be Mary Elizabeth Warren because I thought that was more interesting. Yeah. But the jacket thing really threw me back to Lambert when I was watching this. You could definitely argue because Lambert was trying to get Lyda to sell. That like Lambert was at her house to beg her to Mm -hmm. sell. Mm -hmm. So like that's the story I would think they go with. But they haven't confronted Lambert yet or anything. Because they just found the coat. So... Uh, they don't know that the coat was even evidence. Right. So, uh, at this point, we're, we're halfway through the show, mm-hmm. so we're going to break here. Yeah. Uh, so let's just go over a few things that we're thinking about right now. Okay. Because I think it's important to note that, uh, Jimmy, like, is overacting at everything. And yeah. there's that whole scene where the car shows up and he's grief-stricken and then he yells at Mary and Mary's like, think of me as Abby. In reality... They both should be freaking out because the car got found. And, like, you could actually argue that he is just focusing. Like, he is really freaking out. Yeah. He's just letting everybody think it's because he's the grief-stricken boyfriend and that his girlfriend's car is being paraded through town. Yeah. But for Mary to not have that thought and just be like, I'm Abby. (laughs) Look at me as Abby. Yeah. It's a bit odd. Uh... We, I want to talk about sexy reverend, but I don't think we got to any sexy reverend until later. No, we don't uh, have anything on Re- uh, Rusty Crandall yet. Yes. Uh, it, the show wants us to think about sweepers, but we don't know anything about them yet. Yeah, and I apparently didn't notice them in episode four. Because I, I don't make a comment about them at all. They were probably there. They, they were probably But they there. weren't conspicuous. Yeah. So, uh, the remaining suspects are Jimmy... The boyfriend, Mary Elizabeth, the best friend of Abby, uh, Lambert, Nate's business partner, Sam Larrabee, the diner owner, Frank Kovic, the reporter, Prudence Connor, the um, the garage owner, uh, Deanna, the lawyer, Reverend Rusty Crandall, Thibodeau, General Hayden DeBeck, and Mayor Bowden. Yes. The remaining investigators are Kristen, Katie, Angel, Alan, Brian and Jeff. 
So we're halfway through the show, and I want to point out two things have not happened. Yeah. One, they have not successfully removed a suspect besides playing the killer's game. Yeah. Questions. So they've yet to use their investigation skills. Yeah, they've yet to actually successfully rule anybody to out. To rule someone out. And two, no one's ever been murdered by the killer outside of the killer's game. Right. So all this, like, it's unsafe to be alone has not really been a factor yet. Nope. Uh, any, any other points you want to bring up here? Um, I The first half of this series is so obviously they need to put the pieces in place. Mm-hmm. For the last half of the series. It's kind of a different show from this point. Because now we know who these people are. The chum is kind of gone. Yeah. So, like, we've kind of known some of these investigators now. So the last four episodes definitely have a different feel than the first four. We still have some, like, we still have people we haven't really seen a lot of in The Suspects. Uh, We haven't seen much of Sam Larrabee. No. We haven't seen much of the attorney, Deanna. We haven't seen much of Hayden DeBeck. And we haven't seen that much of the mayor. So we've got like four or five suspects that we've barely seen. I think before we record our, our second part here, we should jump on the Wayback Machine and see if there is a uh, a murder in Small Town X website that we can kind of dig through. Not yeah. now. <laughs> but like when we have time to do research and really look at it. Yeah. Uh, because, like, I think having something like that, because in 2001, I didn't really have the internet yet. Yeah. Because I was poor. I had Juno. <laughs> so I couldn't go online in peak hours or some crap. Uh, so, like, having a website that, like, kind of kept track of clues would have been super helpful at that time. Yeah. Uh, so this was long. This was a long episode. If yep. you have not watched this show... And somehow got through this podcast. Please watch the show. Absolutely, link below. Our fan M was nice enough to put it all on YouTube for you, yeah, us, but also for you. So be sure to watch it. I know this this was long, but uh, we won't have a lot of setup for the next episode. But I have a crazy story in next episode. So be sure to join us next time for a really weird story. Okay. Uh, And also. Be sure to subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. And uh, check out the bonus episode, which will be coming some point this month, where I will review the Nick Nocturne Candy Bowl. Where can people find us? You can find us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And uh, if you... Oh, and also be sure to check out our big uh, video game contest coming up, uh, Battle Royale Royale, uh, which is raising money for the Trevor Project. And you can sign up at BattleRoyaleRoyale.com because every day is worth fighting for. And if you want to talk to me about, if you want to make a guess of what my crazy story is going to be, I'm at Plus Two Comedy on Twitter. And if you want to spitball theories about how uh, tropes can be used in solving murder mysteries, I'm at Stay Doomed. Until next time, stay doomed.